This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi everyone, welcome back to the Every Step Along the Way podcast. I hope you're all bouncing off the walls after yesterday. Um, I mean, Dan, have you recovered from yesterday's annihilation of Rotherham, or you know, are the cheers from the stands still ringing in your ears? Just wow, isn't it? Uh, New Stoke. What did they, what did they say as they came out for kickoff? The new this new chapter begins. Well, it certainly did yesterday. Um, yeah, Alex No Revolution, well underway. Now it seems. Yeah, you look like a a proud father uh, the other day. A few times, some of the pictures and um, bits you've seen and the highlights went on on there today about you know scoring goals, who's a bit of a wink and a clap. You know, I think he's feeling really proud of himself for what is uh, for uh, for what he's building um, at this point. I mean, time will tell. Hopefully, it will last a lot longer. But um, he he was clearly, I think, it was just a great day all round and um, great to see the stadium back to what it used to be, you know, fans behind everyone. Amazing. Yeah, it was. I was just put it's exactly where I've got you. Fans in the atmosphere was absolutely amazing. Once it from before kickoff, um, throughout, especially the first half and that and then at the end, as I give you a nudge until the end, I just look how many people are still here. you know, this is what, two, three minutes after the game's finished, bearing in mind we had seven minutes injury time. So plenty of opportunities for people to filter out and, and go. And the stands were absolutely packed still, weren't they, with people applauding the players and applauding Alex Neal. And you know, say for, for people like, you know, Wilmot, Loren, Brown, they must have been looking around just thinking, Where where's this been the last couple of years? You know, this isn't the stadium I'm used to playing in. No, and we, we've mentioned about fans previously and saying, you know, we should get behind them more. But I think in, in fairness to the fans who, who haven't been getting behind them in terms of, you know, vocally, let's not forget we had some pretty crappy couple of years. And last year's performances in dreadful home form, um, and I'll come back to that in terms of how we reacted later, but they, I, I agree, it's a two-way street. We need something to shout for because the, the, the mood was down last year, wasn't it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, the, the club... The club have done their bit, haven't they? This summer, the club, the, that, you know, the fans have, have done nothing between obviously what uh, the last game of last last game of last season when there was barely nobody there for the for the lap of of shame as it was deemed at the end of last season. Yeah, you go from that to here. The only thing that's changed is is actions that the club have done over the summer. They are the ones that have changed it all. Their actions. The signings, um, the the way they've gone about things, and that they've done just the feel good factor has come from their work. So it just shows that the club hack you know, can the club can push the direction with which it goes so much. I mean, you know, if we if we'd have come out yesterday and lost three one, then it might have been a totally different story, wouldn't it? But you could sense in the stands before the game kicked off. There was that excitement and that buzz, and that has, you know that hasn't been there on the opening day for you know, new, you know for many many years, hasn't it? Really, Far yeah. Too long, really, one thing you mentioned there, Dan, before the game. Now, unfortunately for you, you struggled to get in. Um, 
just before kickoff. I think it was a couple of minutes before, but um, you wouldn't have seen it. But basically, there was a little montage that went up on the on the big screen, um, unless you did see it and you were down in the concourse. But either way, there was a little montage that went on the big screen, and there's a great track behind it, by the way. So if anyone was sitting there thinking, "Oh, I love that track," it's by it's basically it's called Time. It's by Hans Zimmer, probably the best composer for movies that's ever been. Um, so if you've ever seen James Bond, Gladiator, Batman, he's the guy who does the music for that. But my point was it the montage that was going on sent shivers down my spine i'm going to be honest like it was it was amazing i turned to josh and i said mate this is what i went through not too long ago i hope you get to see it and it's exactly word for word what i said to josh and i hope that's going to be available somewhere because it was a great montage all the premier league years down but back from like steen and bringing it all the way up up to the to the kind of current day uh, pretty much and it was it was great and you're right that set the scene got right the fans got right behind it as soon as it finished i mean and by the way actually speaking of montages i'm going to be a segue um Big shout out again. I know we've done it on social media. Big shout out to Tom, who put together the uh, the montage that we put out onto Twitter and Facebook and stuff. On Twitter alone, up to now, it's had thirty nine thousand views since Friday evening. So, Tom, thanks again for that, mate. It was absolutely brilliant, um, and I'm glad people enjoyed it. That was the whole per- point of the whole thing, wasn't it? Really, just from that video there, Lucas. Listen to Alex Neal. Lucas' demeanour listen to the words he's saying in that interview at the end of the Watford game last season and what a stark contrast you know that is to the person he was on Saturday like the beaming proud father <laughs> yeah 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 exactly that um and let's get into the game then so obviously really good game Stoke 4 Rotherham 1 we had two goals from Vidigal obviously Henry the Hoover and Jacob Brown um I mean, as you kind of alluded to just, Dan, we had a lot of talking had taken place really prior to this game. We had all the good off the field stuff. You know, everything was looking good. You know, we're all really hopeful of result. But I think for many, there's always that niggling feeling of, oh, God, this is Stoke. Um, But I'll be honest and say I have never been more confident of a Stoke win going into yesterday. Um, And I've actually not looked forward to a game. Wow. A few years. Genuinely, few years. Like I was hundred percent convinced we were going to win that game, absolutely convinced, and I've, I've not had that feeling for a long time. I was I was so looking forward to the game, and like I said, the, the enthusiasm to get down there and get and, and and just see how it all unfolded was was something I was really feeling as well. I think you you could t- sense that, couldn't you, around the place? People were waiting for kickoff. Um, but it's funny how you say, like, you know, you're never 100% sure of a Stoke win because, I mean, history tells us those are the games that Stoke let you down. <laughs> it oh, gotcha. Games, it is them games when you go to, you, how could we can't lose this? Surely we can't lose this game. And they were the ones you lose. <laughs> um, so, yeah, you did. Um, you did well, mate, not to not to uh, come away disappointed. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we've, all, we've all been there. We, we've, yeah. we've definitely all been there a thousand times Um before and I mean there's there's so much to do in this game we'll try and keep it down to five hours um if that's okay but uh, <laughs> I mean I guess let, let's let's kick off with the first half I mean we we started out on the front foot uh we kind of expected we were going to do that we 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 thought that Rotherham were going to come here sit back um and it's pretty much what they did I mean they but I think it was because we didn't let them have time. And we know that that's Alex Neal's focus. We know the high pressure. Um, but that first goal came from, obviously, us constantly putting pressure on. We win the throw in. Um, the ball's passed back, obviously, to Loren. And obviously, then the, the the ball across to the back post. And, you know, of course, you know, Henry just tapped it in. You know, just, I mean, if, you, I mean, if tapping in means hitting it on the volley on the underside of the bar, he tapped it in. Um, so not not a bad not a bad goal and I mean let's be honest this guy is mustard in this in this league isn't he? Yeah, he is. He, he's just like a, a class above into his technical ability and the level he's at. He, he feels he feels like he's wasted at right back into as a player. You know, sure you, know, you could get a, get him involved more in a centre midfield or a wing or something, but. He does that well there. It's obviously where his best position is. We've tried him further forward and it's not not really worked that well. 
he just seems to be able to absolutely rip games up from from fullback. It's his technique as well, though, isn't it? Because I mean, for a striker, that would be a hard thing to pull off. And he's just come in there, and you know, it wasn't a, a an amazing angle. You know, he's not middle of the goal, eight yards out. You know, he's he's got a lot to do in that scenario. And most players, especially most right backs, are going to take that ball down and try and have a shot or maybe bring someone else in as they get closed down. Didn't even cross his mind, I don't think. He's seen this come across in the air. Perfect ball by Loren to point out. And he's just followed it in. I mean, that, I think, important. Me and you turned to each other, down and we said how important that goal was because, again, all the positive talk, everyone's expectations. As soon as that goes in, the the haunting of losing 1-0 was over. <laughs> Um, yeah. And we knew we could just take that on then. And whatever we wanted it to be, if we put our efforts into it, it was. So, yeah, I think that was it. Get that first goal, put all the previous hoodoos to, to bed, and then we could take the game to them. Yeah, there was no 29 shots and losing 1-0 this year then, was the five no. minutes and that was done. Exactly that. And then, you know, you look at the second goal, I mean, again, from a set piece, um, Jacob got pulled down for what actually many thought was a red card. But again, without our, well, we use this term quite a lot in the previous one, red and white tinted glasses. Without those on, if you look at it again, not towards the goal, it takes it away. Well, if he, Jacob's he taken a touch, then I think that's different. Yeah, he didn't actually get a touch on it. He's been played through. And like you say, the ball's curling away from goal. And yeah, I mean, he's, he's what, 40, 40 yards from goal? And he's too... So I think, like I say, I think if he did take, if he just took a foot out, took a touch and knocked it in front of him, then I think you've probably got a better argument to say that's a clear goal-scoring opportunity. But I think with the distance he was from the goal and the fact that the ball was travelling away and he didn't really have any support with him, did he? He was on his own. I think, yeah, you've, you're going to struggle there. Too. I guess, yeah, the, the ref's right to give a yellow card, not a red. Yeah, and, and as it turned out, Dan, it was a very, very costly <laughs> yeah. thing to give away because you know he's he's not achieved anything other than effectively leading to our second goal because Jacob's never going to score from that opportunity. So you know the cross comes in, Wilmot again, Mister Reliable at the back, but this time Mister Reliable up you know, up the top end of the pitch, um, rises heads across the ball, and there is uh, Andre to slot home. Uh, something that you know clearly they've been working on in training. The the fact that the fourth goal comes from similar but we'll come back to that but again Andre really really good in the you can't you can say in the right place at the right time but that for me was a well-worked goal they knew exactly what they were trying to do there yeah and I think it's I think it is something that we've tried last season as well that you know the the corner the overhit corner if you're or free kick if you like that gets headed back across I remember sort of Suter being the target for a lot of them during his sort of few games that he played and obviously you get, you get your big target, your, your strongest man in the air, stick them, and then they can sort of put it back across into into players running in. And obviously Vidigal times he's run perfectly, stayed on side and, and got himself a, a nice six-yard tapping. And that's the type of a chance he, he probably would have wanted. You know, again, just get it, get off the mark, get a bit of confidence. Um, and again, he, I think most players would have taken it, but, but good on him again. You know, his, his attacking play was was excellent throughout and we'll again we'll dig into individual players shortly um but to kind of look over the third goal and yes guys we did score three in the first half of a football match um so yeah attacking play down the left Vidigal controls the ball um now this is one thing I didn't realize at the time Vidigal almost almost started that at this off um so if you look back at the actual uh highlights you'll see it so Vidigal controls the ball plays it through to Mai who skips through his defender very nicely by the way megs him to get through and Puts that shot on target. Jacob Brown probably wanted Vidigal to square it, but Vidigal actually carries on his run, um, which is really important. If he lays that ball off to Mai and then you know stands still, he then isn't in a situation to pick up the rebound. So he's carried on, and as we know, Dan, brilliant finish. But like I said, you know what really impressed me? Yes, it was the finish, but it was the fact that he carried on going. And I think for me, that just shows the benefit of having attacking attitudes and ability in players who are fully confident in their own ability to finish. Um, that was just, again, a good all-round, well-worked goal. And, and Mai deserves some credit from that as well. Yeah, I think he's already looking at a snip at 400,000, doesn't he? I mean, I know he, he got a couple of goals, but other than that, I mean... 
I, I, I said to you, didn't tell you the first half, he, he was like phys- he was more physical than you thought. Like you, you usually sort of for wingers, let's be honest, we're all guilty of it, aren't we? You sort of go, oh well, is, is he going to fancy the fight? Is he going to want a battle? Is this is the English league going to be too tough for him? And you look at him, you know, like I say, he's 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 all flair, step overs, pace, and there is that worry, isn't there, with them kind of players? But he got absolutely taken out really cynically from behind. If, if anything was a red card in that match, it was that tackle, to be honest. And and you know, the, the, the player got booked and he got some treatment. And I wondered then, I thought, you know, he's, he's challenged for a few headers here. He's, he's, he's been shoulder to shoulder a couple of times. Now he's had that. Is he going to still fancy it? And his, his reaction to that was going back a couple of goals and still get physically involved. So, that bodes well for me. That that's a big, t- a big tick, you know, for, especially for the championship. I was going to say, I turned to you and said, "Welcome to the championship." Like, you know, he he must have. I mean, these players, you know, you hear about what the championships like, but uh, it wasn't just him. You know, I think May had it. There's a couple of other, uh, you know, newbies uh, that got a good kicking. Uh, and you know what? Probably. It was a great thing that we played Rotherham because it's a nice introduction. They know what to expect now. They know what's required. They, I mean, not all games are going to be that easy. But yeah, you can't fault um, well any of them, to be honest. Second off comes, now we know that Rotherham, a bit like the Sheffield Wednesday and Southampton game, you know, Sheffield went back in and, and changed their, their approach. And I think Rotherham did the same thing. They were like, right, we need to get a bit more in the face. Let's put some more pressure on. We can't sit back now for, for the rest of this game. And in fairness to Rotherham, it, it did them some good. You know, they, they score well, we're pretty much cold, I think, at this point. Um, and, you know, they obviously get the corner and they make it 3-1. Now, I'm not sure how many times you've watched this back, Dan, but I have genuinely watched this now several times. And the one element of criticism about this goal I've got is Josh Lorraine, actually. Now, I saw a few goals last season when we conceded from set pieces. And as much as I love Josh, I think he's a great midfielder. When we concede goals, more often than not, Josh is the one who's lost his man. Now... Yes, he does kind of, he's a bit weak. I think the player gets above him. Josh doesn't really jump for it. He's a bit weak there. But at the same time, they got very, very lucky from that goal. So if anyone wants to go back and watch it, watch, firstly, as the cross comes in, Josh's position and the fact he doesn't make much of an effort to get out of the way of it. But just watch what happens after that. Their, their attacking player misses it. It rebounds off one of their players' chest, which just happens to fall, obviously, into the path of Paltier, who couldn't really miss. So as much as Josh could have done better... It's it's a matter of luck for their goal, but you know they got the bodies in there, um, and I'm not sure about you, Dan, and I can't remember if we said this to each other or not, but I think there was twenty thousand Stoke fans all of a sudden that had this impending doom feeling of oh god, not Cardiff, not again, um, and fortunately it didn't pan out like that. But just the the uh, the cynical Stoke fan inside yourself kind of thinks, could we give this away? Yeah, I think I turned to you then and sort of jokingly said. Oh, here we go. We're back. This is it. This is the, the Stoker back. Like you say, it was just one of those, yeah, those corners. If you want to be uber critical, you can sort of say, you know, someone's lost a man or... But it's, it's ping-ponged around in that box. I mean, you know, two or three deflections and ended up at Peltier that, you know, it, it's not the easiest thing to sort of judge and make sure be in the right position for, I think. It's just bounced off two or three players and then just fell to Peltier who had an eventful 12 minutes let's be honest he subbed on at <laughs> half time first touch he scores the goal back in the game and uh, 57 minutes into the match so just just like I said a dozen minutes later he's off injured uh, thank you, thank you for coming late. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 you're, you're right. As I said, I wasn't having a, a big dig at Josh. I was just saying that's one of his weaker areas when he's defending set pieces. But 100%, it wasn't down to him. They got lucky. They got physical. And Christ, we used to be just like that. So I'm not criticising them for it at all. Like you do what you do to get goals. And now one thing which I hope you've seen back, and I think we may have shown it on our WhatsApp group, but the red card. Now, not long after the, the actual goal, Hafu obviously gets his marching orders. Now, I'm going to be very honest about this, Dan. At the time, I turned to you and I said, it looked like he's had his studs up and he's followed through. Now, I've seen this challenge genuinely over 10 times. I'm like, have I? am I missing something here? 
Now, I don't think he hardly touches the player at all. And I actually think it's a completely fair tackle from the angles that I've seen. And I think the fact that another player gets in the way and he almost falls over, uh, I think it was Mai, he wasn't here. I think it, the fact that he almost falls over him um, makes it look worse. But I genuinely don't think that he's hardly even touched the player. So I wouldn't be surprised to see this one rescinded, personally. Yeah, it's, it's a funny one because... <laughs> I said at the time, I thought, mm, we, we can't really judge from our angle, could we? But he's gone He's gone through, and he's, he's won the ball. I'd say that the first thing is he wins the ball. Yeah. But it's, does he win the ball, and is he using excessive force? That's the thing. Because obviously, the ref hasn't sent him off for that. He's given him a yellow card. He just so happens to be the second yellow card. So is the referee saying he's maybe used excessive force to make that tackle and or is it a case of um like as he's gone through and he's won the ball as he stood raised because there was there was a mark on Mai's like well the Mai was showing the ref, you know, the, the stud marks that were high up on his shin. So as he sort of rode the ball and his studs have gone up and you know like he's sort of maybe gone on top of the ball maybe and took just to mm-hmm. control, but obviously, I think from the angle that they showed on the replays as well that I've seen anyway, it seems you're looking through the back of the defender, right? You're looking through the back of Cafu, so you struggle to see what you know, I'd like to see it side on, really. You know, but I don't suppose we've got them angles, have we? You know, we've got as many cameras well, at the game. That's why I turned to you, Dan, and I, and I, because we, where we were, mate, we were on the side, and I was watching it. And my first thing I said to you was, he's going with his studs up, studs up there. And I'm just wondering, like you said, like you pointed out, where, is it because the replays we've seen are from behind? I think you probably got a point. Maybe my first instinct of his studs are up. Maybe they were. I, I'm not going to say yeah, it's a definite red card, or um, you definitely should or shouldn't have been. But just trying to look at what you know, how the referee's seen it, what he's given. We just take a slight break in recording that because I I, I just watched it once more, <laughs> and I can say. For what I look like, it looks like he's he sort of slid and swiped his legs. So maybe the refs looking at it and thinking, is he is he out of control there? Because he's sort of two feet. F- he hadn't tucked the leg underneath. You know, usually when you see side tackles, you you tuck your other leg, and that sort of gives you the sort of stability and direction. Both of them are sort of forward. So is the ref thinking he's maybe out of control? Possibly. How are you going to stop yourself here? Because you. You both your feet are forward. I suppose either way. You know what, though, Dan? As much as the red card came, I actually don't think it had a blind bit of difference on the game. No, Funny we'd enough. Won the game. We'd won the game. I think, I actually think, if Rotherham, Rotherham's goal at the start of the second half, a lot of Stoke sides would have crumbled at that point in recent years, and it would have been 3-2 within 10 minutes, and then we would have had a really nervy last half an hour and probably even drawn or even lost that game. Um, yeah. But... I think Stoke showed great maturity. The the battle down what they said, yeah, okay. First off, we were all over them. We were we pinned them back. We didn't let them breathe. We were constantly at them. But they've just scored, and what we need now is game management. We need to be sensible. We need to calm the game down. And I think they did. They spent 10, 15, 20 minutes just saying, you know, you aren't going to get a second goal. You aren't going to get a sniff in this. And they did that. And and then I think. Directly the red card. If 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 put it this way, if Rotherham hadn't scored that goal, so they don't carry on where they were in the first half, and I think they altered the game, and it was a very mature way of doing that. And I think that Rotherham goal, that Rotherham goal, start second half, stopped that being six or seven nil. I think. Yeah, we we could have just taken the mick a little bit. You know, we could have won seven nil. <clears throat> um, yeah. And it, <laughs> seven off. Yeah. Seven I know it's great, and imagine losing seven 0 in your first game. But never mind. Um, anyway, so finally, from another well worked set piece, um, Alex Neil admitted it was a work, uh, uh, work on the training ground as well. But uh, DJ, who was bloody brilliant again, crosses to the near post, and guess who was there again? Yeah, Ben Wilmot flicks it on at the back post. Jacob Brown. Knocks it home, and for a split second, my mind thought it was Vidigal with his hat trick, um, who should have had a hat trick for another header, to be honest. But either way, Jacob's there, back post, taps it home. Now it shows that you don't need Rory Delap there to be working on your set pieces to, uh, to score from set pieces. Yeah. Well, <laughs> um, yeah, some good deliveries as well. Let's not get away from that. Good, like I say, good. You know, the 
because it's about having the plan of, well, this guy stand here and we'll put the ball on your head and you knock into this area and two or three of you, you know, make yourselves into this area and it'll fall to one. But if the delivery isn't right, if the ball's not, per- you know, you've got to be perfect, have you, into hitting it at the right velocity, the right, uh, you know, the right, um, right height, right distance, everything, speed, it's all got to be perfect to for the player to be on the, you know, in the right place at the right time to head it back across. Um, so, yeah, we've looked at we've got some decent corner takers. Daniel Johnson, what a player. I think for me it was the variety of the of the, the set pieces as well, though, Dan. It wasn't just, OK, let's hit it near post or back post all the time. There was those little, like, one-two touches, let's change yeah. the angle. They've, they've clearly the been... Box. Exactly. They've been working on a lot of different things there, which I don't really remember us doing last season. It was either hit it near post, hit it far post, or chuck it in the middle. There was no inventiveness <laughs> about it at all. Yeah. So yeah. So I mean, that's just very good. I mean, we don't want to go th- forever on this one, but you're right, DJ. Um, that I, guy I is actually, amazing. I, you know what? I, I, everyone, a couple of people said that no one should be left out because they're all fantastic. So I've got literally just a few words on every single one of the players who played on that pitch last night, yesterday. So would you like okay. to go through them and you can give very brief comments on all of them as well? Go for it. So I've got Travers. I've just got dependable, solid. Breath of um, we've had. Dominating, had nothing much to do, kicking needs to improve. I, do you think it was he like just compared to what we'd had previously? I just felt I felt secure with him in goal. I'll be honest. Uh, yeah, Hoover, and I think I think, I think the defence did as well. Yeah, Hoover, what a finish, baller. That's all I've got down there. <laughs> Too good for the championship. Can't believe we've got him. Don't send him back in January. Yeah, Stevens showed how underestimated he he's been by as a signing by some. You know, people turn their nose up at him. There were, I know I said, I think we said when he signed, you know, he's proven championship experience. It came through. A very, very good debut. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Mate. It was it, it was solid. Nothing overly special. No dramas. A couple of dangerous balls into the box as well. First half, um, an upgrade on Fox for me from what I've just seen. Well, it's not difficult. Uh, ben Wilmot, did you misplace a pass? Ben Wilmot doesn't make mis- misplaced passes, I don't think. That that guy is one of the best centre-backs in this division. I don't care what anyone says. Like he, And he's, what, 23? He has got, he's not even close to his peak yet. Like we, we need to keep him here for as long as we can. What a great game again. Yeah. Uh, Rose, one scary mistimed edit back first off. Um, but... I liked he was aggressive and he was on the front foot. Uh, I think that's how Neil likes him playing. I know Ben told us that didn't he, in the last season. That's how Alex Neil wants him to play. And I think that suits Rose's game. You can see him getting first to balls and stepping forward into ta- into headers and tackles and stuff. Not you know, not shaking responsibility. Another solid debut. Um, words out my mouth, yeah. Totally agree with all that. Pearson, fitter, faster than last season, and his timing and his tackling was on point throughout. Um, could easily have been man of the match. Uh, just take him out of this team and replace him with Thompson, and my God, do we look different. Like Pearson is such a bloody good player. <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, so on Loren, a lovely assist for Hoover's goal. Great cross. Um, so, yeah, and uh, so composed in possession as well. Got, but he was everywhere, everywhere to win the ball. And then when he did have the ball, it's just so composed. Yeah, I would have loved to see his heat map. To be honest, you're right. I think he was all over. There was there was a nice little uh, touch in that first half as well. I don't know what the turn. What there was a little turn that he did, um, and I can't I can't remember what the name of it is. But um, yeah, again, he's he's always a pretty solid player, isn't he? Yeah, uh, DJ, just what we've been missing in midfield: flair, energy, vision. I loved him. Loved him anyway. I love him even more in a Stoke shirt. <laughs> yeah, there was uh, there was a few. It's just a few nights. He's got touch, and he? he's he's quick. He puts himself about. He you can see you can see his experience. Like it's it just he, yeah, he's going to be an under. Well. It's the vision. He's it, he's going to be so underrated by so many teams. They're not going to look at him as being a a danger or anything like that. And he's he's going to surprise a few people. I think. Uh, Vidigal. A direct running, battled hard, took a cynical foul and responded with two goals, as if it was already touched on. Nothing to add to that. He was just great. Uh, May, now, but needs time to get up to speed, but showed signs of his obvious talent and flair. 
Um, he could have had a couple himself. Liked how he took a lot of these. Somebody mentioned three say he took a lot of the balls on the half turn, which is always a sign of a very quality and you know, um, you know high high quality attacking player. Uh, yeah, can't really disagree with any of that. He, he could definitely have have had one, uh, I think. But it's just kind of I know we're jumping ahead, but it's it's the interplay between all of them. I think that's it. They all can play in each other's positions, and and he seems to be able to play across either front three of them. He was all over the place. So uh, yeah, a real asset, I think. Yep, Jacob Brown led the press, finished his chance well, and never gave their defense a second. Jacob Brown comes in for a lot of stick, and I gave him some as well in the past. And I, I think sometimes it is deserved, but I think that's because these players around him are so good that it makes him, you know, a Johnny Walters basically. You know, Mister Run about ninety minutes, and he, the guy's stamina is incredible. Like, I think he deserves his place in this team. We've got other players who can play around him um, and can do all the you know the goals and all that. Clearly, he can still chip in, but. Um, yeah, un- probably underestimated is the word I'd probably use. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, Jordan Thompson, I've got one tackle so late, I think he was meant for last season. He's just not Ben Pearson. He's just not championship quality. Oh, big, big call. <laughs> uh, Chicorino raised eyebrows for me that he was benched, um, but he showed strength and speed in his little cameo at the end. Um, I thought he did nothing when he came on. Maybe we saw a different version, but yeah, I, we know what he's capable of from the friendlies. I just didn't think he got into the game personally from what I saw. But fair enough. Wesley, but what a unit! The size of that man didn't have long, but will no doubt get more. Uh, didn't get more time to impress versus West Brom on Tuesday. Uh, yeah, agreed. I think he'll start Tuesday. We'll come back to teams in a bit, but yeah, it, again. He held the ball up. He's got quicker feet than I actually gave him credit for, actually. Um, Lincoln play was good, considering they barely played together very much. So, jury's out still, naturally, but I I can't say I'm, you know, can't say I'm disappointed with what I've seen so far, anyway. And last but not least, definitely not least, Sol Sadibi. Debut at 16. Great hearing his dad's songs modified for him. Um didn't really do, didn't really have time to do much as such. I think he had a couple of touches, um, but he was he was asking for the ball and that. He didn't look overawed, did he? By the occasion, he seemed to come in and sort of settle straight into, you know, positioning and like I say, wanting the ball, marking up and stuff. So all uh, bodes well. It does, and you can just imagine being that lad. I mean, he must be on that pitch, shivers going around his entire body listening to that, like. I just hope Mama was there to to see him because he must be extremely proud of him. Yeah, well, obviously Mama's still Mama works for the club, doesn't he? In the recruitment and stuff, so he, uh, I'm no doubt he was there. I think Mama was abroad, uh, if I'm not mistaken, last week. So I just uh, wasn't sure. I wasn't uh, sure whether he physically got back in time, but you, surely you, you know. I was going to say if 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 he knew his son was on the bench yesterday, I'm sure he'd have uh, you know, moved. Moved uh, heaven and earth to get back onto, <laughs> as they say. So Dan, um, before we get into the opposition's thoughts on this one, because we've obviously we've got some audio as well. Um, if I was asking you for a, a key takeaway from that, what's your key takeaway from the first game of the season? Uh, attacking wise, we look, we have so much more variety and directness than we have had previously. That. I th- that's what was mainly missing out of the last couple, two, three seasons. And I think if you can marry that up with the the the, the ball retention and stuff that we've had previously, then we this team could actually do something very special. Yeah, one hundred percent. The only thing I want to add to that, and I gave a little bit of a nod to it at the beginning, you've got to give credit to the fans massively. You know, they they packed the stadium as much as we could. You know, it felt different yesterday. We've kind of already said that. You know, the place was bouncing, and interestingly, we conceded a goal, and there was still chance of going Stoke. Now, last year, that would not have happened. Either everyone's silent, or there'd be booing or grumbling or something going on, and all you could hear was going Stoke, and it just. It felt a different place, and bloody hope that continues because I've really missed the atmosphere like that. 
Yeah. So, second that. So, um, moving on then. So, uh, opposition audio. Uh, like I said, we spoke to them pre-game, but we want to obviously get their thoughts after the four-one hammering. Um, I can't imagine he's going to be too overjoyed with his team's performance. Not a great start to the season. You were all that time for football to come back and you lose four-one. Uh, I think it's a marginally a flattering score, but only marginally. I think she stuck with a, couple, with a better team. A two-goal, two-goal uh, deficit would have been slightly more accurate, but irrelevant really. Um, I thought st- I thought we didn't start very well. I thought st- you guys pushed and harried us and put us under so much pressure, particularly in the first half an hour, that we just couldn't get a touch of the ball. Obviously, couldn't almost couldn't breathe as a defence. Um, Obviously, only one goal came in that period, which was a, was a stunning finish, but only one game, goal came in that. So, we, we, so, we sort of getting out of that period, thinking, right, we just get to get through to half-time. If it's only 1-0, we can regroup, make a couple of substitutions or whatever the case may be, make a tactical change and we can set off, maybe put you guys under a little bit of pressure. And then there's t- a few bits of stupid defending. Um, the third one was a great finish, but it was totally avoidable from our point of view. Um, so, so, so Such soft belly defending. Um we don't know how how bad a result that for us for us is, and you guys don't know how good a result it is. You guys, we don't know where we're both going to end up being. I suspect you guys would top sort of top end challenge over the playoffs, which makes it not an awful result. Well, it's not a good start, but it makes it not such an awful result with where how high I think you guys will end up being. Um, but it's a tough one to take. I think it's a bit of a hopefully a reality check, certainly for some fans who thought we would. Uh, do very well this season. We're all, I don't think that's going to be the case, but I think I think we can still have some has a positive season. There were parts in the second half where we did put you guys under a little bit of pressure, and there were moments where if we just nick one here, make it three two, you know what what could possibly happen. Um, but obviously that never meant to be in the fourth goal. Uh, yeah, trying to think about it because it makes me angry how did how how we defended for that one. Um, frustrating from our side, but I think. Uh, we were never going to win that. Basically, basically, you could tell within ten minutes we were never going to win that game. So, uh, no massive complaints, sadly. Thank you very much for the audio. Appreciate it. Uh, yeah, I mean, saying we're going to be challenging for the playoffs, I'll take that right now. Um, and you know, in all fairness, you were very grounded. You know, you admitted never, never going to win the game uh, after you went kind of one 0 down. And um, yeah, you, you know, you got back into it slightly at the beginning, but as soon as we got our foothold in the game again, you know, we were, we were never going to throw that away. So thank you very much. No doubt we'll speak again on the reverse fixture when we also win four one away from home. Um, but you no, know, bear with us. We'll, we'll we'll see you again soon, Dan. Man of the match, how did that go? I saw there was a lot of votes going on yesterday. 327 votes. On the Facebook group, okay. Yes, in third place, Kiana Hoover, 36 votes. Second, Andre Vidigal with 103. And number one, Daniel Johnson with 115 votes. So, yeah, he's uh, him and Vidigal was exchanging first and second in the early stages, and then Johnson's just backstage, just built up a bit of a lead towards the end of it. But yeah, I mean, my vote went to Ben Pearson, I'll be honest. He, he was fourth, didn't even make the top three, but I think that was one of the tough, you know, last season was very tough and a lot of games to pick him out of the match. This was tough, but for very different reasons. <laughs> you know, that's really funny because we haven't we haven't spoke to each other about who we thought was one of the match. And I'm with you. I was going Pearson just because the guy never flipping stopped running and the amount of balls that he cut out you know, those like 50-50 balls where the two of our players have gone into it and it's gone loose. Like, he's just there and mopping up. But you're right. I mean, anyone pretty much in that team could have claimed that ball, maybe the odd player. Um, like, that was brilliant. But my my vote, again, actually goes to Ben Pearson uh, for this one. But again, DJ, yeah, absolutely. Bidigal, yeah. Like, it's... What, what a tough call that was. So to finalise the, uh, the obviously the review, any particular interesting stats from yesterday? Did we have 55 shots on target or did it just feel like that? Right, so thanks to Pete Smith for saving me a massive job on this one. Uh, but Andre Vidigal was the first debutant to score a brace since John Tudor in 1976. So yeah, Pete, Pete managed to get that, that out before he even got home and save me. I'd already put it on my to-do list to find that out. Uh, no, nobody's ever scored a hat trick on debut apparently for Stoke. So that that worldly save by the keeper towards the end denied him that bit of history. 
Um, it's only the second time in three years that we scored four goals at home, the other being the 4-0 win against Reading in January this year. Um, now, we, we scored four against Coventry in the opening home game of, in 1981, but we'd already beat Arsenal 1-0 away on the opening day of the season. So this is actually the first time we've scored four on the opening day since the 24th of August. Can you guess what year? Don't go so much to like 1946. <laughs> 1957. Oh, not bad. Yeah, so we were at 4-1 at home. Um, so yeah, and that was the last time we scored four or more goals on the opening day of the season. So we had 11 debutants yesterday. If you include, obviously, Hoover and Pearson, who... So obviously left the club and come back um, permanently and that. So, yeah, 11 debutants, including eight starters, which, unsurprisingly, is a record for this football club. <laughs> um, Sol Sadibi, so we said he's the second youngest league player ever in the club's 160-year history. So, 16 years and 176 days. He's 23 days older than Peter Bullock, in 1958, when he made his league debut. Now, Sol Sadibi is the third youngest player to play for Stoke because obviously Emre Tesco is the youngest at 16 and 112 days, but that was in the FA Cup. So, yeah, Sol Sadibi's league debut was actually at a younger age than Emre Tesco's was. He's got a big future, Sol. Hopefully, with us, you know, with us, he's still such a young lad. He's not going to be banging down anyone's door, demanding to play for a number of years yet. So let's just hope he can carry on growing. The fact his dad, you know, is with the club as well, um, always helps keep him here. Because as I said to you the other week, the guy doesn't look out of place. Which, right. with experienced players around him, there's no better compliment to pay to a 16-year-old that you don't look out of place. No, and let's be honest as well. I mean, what, 1600, so he's the first half of 16, if you like. You know, he's not nearly 17. He's, you know, not, not 16 and a half yet. Same with Tesco. To have that, both those playing in the first team at that age, within, what, 18 months of each other, what an achievement that is. Do you know what I mean? The academy must be doing something right. Then you've also got Nathan Lowe's been playing at 17. Those three must be three. Like what? Low, I bet you Lowe's in the, the top 10, top 15 youngest players ever to play for Stoke as well. <laughs> must be. Yeah, that, thanks for those. But it's really interesting. Like you said, we, we said, oh, we'll have to try and look at that stat. And then uh, you're right. Uh, Pete puts it out and I'm like, screenshot, Dan, just so you know, Pete's put this online. <laughs> so um, there you go. So we've seen the, the change the rules of injury time as well. So we yes. saw four, 14 minutes injury time, seven in the first, seven in the second. Uh, and obviously in the first half, there was two goals for Vidigal. Now, Jacob Brown scored his goal just before the 90-minute mark. So it didn't count as being an injury time. Do you remember the last time we scored twice in injury time in one game? Um, that would have been the Sheffield Wednesday game at home and won 3-2, wouldn't it? Well, Sheffield United last season, we beat them 3-1. Jagielka scored in the fourth minute of injury time in the first half. And Delap scored in injury time in the second half. Uh-huh. The last time we scored twice in the same injury time was indeed Sheffield Wednesday on Boxing Day 2019, when Tyrese Campbell in the 93rd and Sam Vokes in the 97th turned a 2-1 defeat into a 3-2 victory. Now, I can't find, I've been back as far as I can, I cannot find any player who scored twice in the same game in injury time or the same period of injury time either. So... Andre Vidigal looks to me to be the same player, the first player for Stoke, as far as I can see anyway. It doesn't go miles back because obviously records and stuff only started detailing different things at different points. Um, but yeah, he's, he's the first person I can see as far as that is back uh, in recent living memory, shall we say. First player in recent living memory to score twice in the same game in injury time. Although Mike Sheeran... This is a nice, interesting fact to have. Uh, he did score injury time winners to beat both Portsmouth and Luton, both 2-1 in April 96, four days apart. So consecutive games, he scored nine, uh, in injury time at the end of both games to win them. But, uh, you know, what to have a goal, what price to have a goal score in your side, eh, Mike? <laughs> yeah, so always nice. And, and you know, as we've already discussed, the, how this injury time is going to work this year, um, do not go home early because there's the goals that are going to be scored in injury time for all these clubs, 
um, across the country, not just Stoke. But the amount, if you've got coupons on, like don't cash out early. Like you really need to look into this now because 15 minutes injury time or whatever it's going to end up being, that is completely changing the game because all of a sudden as well, you're going to have more players getting tired, more mistakes, more potential injuries, probably why they've increased it to nine subs. Like this is going to have so much more of a bearing on things like what we're about to talk about, West Brom in the week. Like this is going to change football dramatically, I think, if it carries on like this. So interesting to see how it goes. But before we kind of go any deeper into that, let's look at West Brom in the Cup this Tuesday. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! No, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order mug delivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The referee. Do you want me to tell you about the referee? Well then. Jeff Eltringham. So, in his career, professional career, 222 matches, 734 yellows, 34 reds, which equals out to 3.3 yellows a game and a red card roughly every seven matches. So... Uh, he hasn't actually ref, didn't ref this weekend, so he, uh, that's 3.3, so what does that become now with these new rules, about eight? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, he's out 13 times, given us fi- uh, 25 yellows and three reds in those 13 games, so he can he can pack that in. Uh, but And he's given 21 yellows and one red to the opposition. Uh, we have seven wins, three draws and three defeats in the 13 games, so actually some good results, be it with him. Uh, he's, re- he's refed West Brom five times, uh, given them 10 yellows and no reds, and for the opposition, seven yellows and one red. So he seems to produce a lot a lot less cards in West Brom games than he does in Stoke games. <laughs> um, but for them, they've got two wins, two defeats, and the solitary draw. Uh, last season, the last time he refed Stoke was the 2-1 away win at Bristol City in December. Mm, okay, so like you said, it's it, it's going to be interesting because as this season goes on, you're going to be able to refer back to referee stats from the prior games throughout this season and how many yellows they've actually given out in the <laughs> in the new world. So it's 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 going to keep you busy. It's going to be pretty nuts. But um, so that's the referee. Uh, I believe you've got some stats, uh, kind of head to head stats, etc., as well to run through. Yes, so I've got some stats for you on the Stoke West Brom in the League Cup. So. 152 times these clubs have met, 64 Stoke wins, 37 draws and 51 Baggies wins. They've been drawn together three times in the FA Cup, with West Brom progressing on each of those occasions, uh, most recently in 1998. And they were also drew together in the Autoglass Trophy in 1993, which Stoke won. But they've never faced each other in the League Cup, so that's the first time for that. So, Stoke's record in the League Cup, so round one record, 20 times we've been in round one. We've won and progressed on 12 occasions, and we've gone out on eight occasions. Uh, Last season at Morecambe, though, was the first time since 2007 that we'd lost in round one. Although, to be fair, before that, between 2001 and 2007, we did lose six times in seven years in round one. So, yeah, we didn't have a good uh, spell at that point. This is also the first time in 12 League Cup ties that we've drawn a championship side. Uh, since we played Leeds when they were in the championship in 2019, uh, we beat Leeds and Wigan that year, uh, but had lost the previous two years uh, versus championship opposition, so went out to Forest in 2018, and Bristol City in 2017. Uh, Stoke have actually won six of their last eight home league cup ties, only losing to Premier League sides Tottenham and Brentford in the, in, during that time. 
and the last non-Premier League team to win at the Bet365 Stadium in a League Cup game was Swindon when they beat us 4-3 after extra time in 2012. Uh, West Bromwich Albion, now they've lost in round one to Millwall in 2019, but that was in fact their only round one defeat since the year 2000. So yeah, that's interesting. And on this day, so it's a new thing we're going to try and do this year. Uh, I've got a nice little book actually that tells me on this day. And on this day, it's uh, good for this game. So Carl Hoskins left Stoke for West Bromwich Albion uh, for £750,000 after making 96 appearances and scoring five goals during his time with the Potters. Lovely, cheers, mate. Always, uh, always very interesting. You, you, uh, you, mega sleuthing as always. Um, so yeah, fingers crossed we can make it pay this week. But uh, speaking of predictions, now uh, we've got a couple of bits of audio for you here. So we've got the ever reliable Mr. Graham McGarry, um, and also we've got Louis from the uh, Baggies podcast, who we've spoken to numerous times over the years, and he's got to give his thoughts as well going into Tuesday's game. Hello there, once again, you Potter's predictors. Well, what a start to the new season that you had. Yes, many people expected you to be beating Rotherham, but you showed some real class and some terrific goals, and you won very, very easily. Now it's on to the first cup tie of the new season, when you take on your rivals in West Bromwich Albion. It's always remembered as a game the Stoke never used to lose. Well, it's changed a little bit over the last few years, but having had that excellent performance on Saturday, you're going to go into your Carabao Cup home tie against West Bromwich Albion full of confidence. You've got a big squad to choose from, Alex Neal. I'm pretty sure they'll make a certain amount of changes as he eyes up the next weekend's league game. But a good cup run can also do the players the world of good. And it can also get the supporters more and more behind the team with more results to come. So can Stoke City overcome West Bromwich Alvin? Of course they can. We got the prediction right at the weekend. Not the score, but we definitely got the right result with a Stoke win. And this will be another Stoke win. And I'm going to go for a Stoke City win by two goals to one. Hello, Stoke City fans. It's Louis Bent here from the Baggies podcast here to give my thoughts ahead of the Carabao Cup game on Tuesday. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting one. Uh, Albion losing the first game of the season to Blackburn Rovers uh, away from home. A disappointing game in which we made two massive errors within 90 seconds of each other. Very comedic <laughs> and uh, ended up going on to lose the game 2-1. But um, I think in terms of our sort of importance towards this game and what we're looking for, I, I, I'm expecting quite a few changes. I'm expecting a lot of the fringe players to come in, uh, a few younger players, including Caleb Taylor, Tom Fellows, Ethan Ingram, Taylor Gardner-Hickman. I'm expecting them all to come into the side and to uh, play a part because I, I can't see Carlos risking too much ahead of, obviously, the, the league game against Swansea on Saturday. So... I think the mood around the club has been pretty pretty poor all summer in terms of finances. Obviously, knowing that the owners have are looking to sell, we're looking to move on from from the the consortium in charge of our club at the moment. So it's been difficult to kind of bring a lot of signings in. Obviously, only the two so far: former Stoke man Josh Madger and Brighton Loney Jeremy Sarmiento coming in. Could possibly see Sarmiento getting a run out today uh, on on Tuesday. Josh Madger possibly at a push, but I think that's unlikely, given he's had no pre season. So. Um, yeah, I think the mood around the club has, has been difficult, but I think this gives us a little bit of a chance to get a good grip of our squad players, just how far along the team are, uh, some of the fringe players are. And I think that this will give Carlos a good way of sort of seeing how strong his squad is rather than just the first eleven. We know the first eleven's all right, but I think he's also going to give a couple of the, cent- the different centre-backs a go, which I think will be nice to see because obviously Cedric Kipro was at fault for two of the two of the goals at Blackburn. So it'll be interesting to see how they go with that. But yeah, looking forward to this one. If I have to give a prediction, <laughs> I'll probably say that we'll lose on penalties, nil-nil. Uh, and then I think you'll lose, you'll beat us on penalties. But yeah, um, it's not a massive importance for us, I don't think. But it's just a really good opportunity to see the squad all out in 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 action uh, and to see what Carlos has got to work with for the season. Lovely, cheers very much, chaps. Uh, appreciate it. So, Mr. Graham McGarry, gone for a two-one uh, prediction. So uh, yeah, you've never predicted a Stoke loss up to now, and I don't think you ever will. Two-one. Uh, I mean, Dan, I'll take that. I'm not sure about you. Yeah, I think. Um... For me, half an eye. I mean, I I do love a good cup run. 
Um, I've always, you know, tried to go out and win games, but for me, I think I've got half an eye of the Ipswich game. I think that's going to be a real tough one. Um, so yeah, if we can get a, if we can get a win, especially with maybe half a side or even less than that out. Then I think yeah, we're uh, real positive. And what I want to obviously talk about, you kind of allude to it there. You know, big game coming up against Ipswich. But what we've mentioned before about you know the extra time and you know and, and all that. When we look at kind of teams for this game, um, it's going to be interesting because I think he, he's going to have to make. It's it's a balance, isn't it? He's going to have to make multiple changes. Does he go and make eleven changes and just tries to get some of the the fringe players and the younger players some game time? Does he maybe value the league over the cup this year? It's 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 tricky because like I'll give I'll give you my team to start off with and I'll let you answer that in a sec. So I have made a a good number of changes. Um, well, pretty much almost an entire team, actually, now I've said that. But uh, Jack Bannum is in goal. I'm going to have Macari at right back, McNally and Stevens in the middle, and then Tymon uh, at left back. We've obviously got to go with Thompson because we haven't really got another holder midfielder uh, alongside Sadibi and then Sparrow playing a bit further forward. And obviously, if he's fit, I think Dwight Gale will come into this one. And then Chico will go on the right with Wesley, um, probably being one of the most obvious choices to start, I think, out of all of these uh, leading a line as well. Do you make as many changes as that? Is there any particular plays you wouldn't have? Um, yeah, so I was thinking, obviously, if, the thing was, if West Brom make a load of changes expected, their bench on Saturday had Kyle Bartley, Alex Mowat, Eric Peters, John Swift, Jeremy Sarmiento. That's the basis of a decent side for them if them five come in. But every other substitute for them was either 21 or under. So actually, if they're going to make a big wholesale changes, make 11 uh, changes, they could end up with quite a young... Yeah, they've got half a decent experience side and then really a real youthful side you near know, the other half to it. So it could be interesting what they, how they line up. For me, I've gone quite similar to you. I've gone Jack Bonham in goal, Lewis McCary, and I've gone McNally and Rose. Obviously, they're both at Coventry last season. Although McNally technically ended up taking Rose's place, but they, you know, they will have played together and stuff. So you've got that kind of partnership there. So you've got a goalkeeper who's now getting a bit of experience at this level. You've got a centre-half pair and you've played together. So you're not chucking, so, you know, there's going to be a bit of chemistry there. They're going to know each other a little bit. Timing, you know, you can trust Josh Timing to go out and only cut through his round game, surely. <laughs> um, you know, so you've only won out the back five really there is Makari. But for me in pre-season, I thought he was really solid. He did well. Um he wasn't me, you know, he wasn't massive, you know, flashy, wow, look at him how he's playing, but he was solid and he did he was dependable, wasn't he? He didn't look at, he didn't look yeah um you know, like he was gonna get ripped apart. Midfield, same as you, Thompson. I know I said he's not quite Ben Pearson, but especially without saying there, the extra minutes that are involved and the way that Ben Pearson plays, I think you've got to make sure that we don't overuse him in certain places maybe in games where we are up like we saw that we can't on Saturday against Rotherham just you know just just pull him out with 10-15 minutes to go when 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 the, when the engine goes into that red you know, the red zone and stuff and you start using that and that's when the legs become heavier and stuff maybe if we, if the game is is won or whatever if we do have more games like Saturday and that's what we do people like Pearson people like Brown you pull that effort in Maybe it's about managing their workloads as the season goes on with the extra minutes. So for me, no no uh, Ben Pearson, Jordan Thompson, uh, Josh Loren, club captain. Uh, I think, although he's another one who puts himself about, I think he can marshal this game through. I think as club captain, he'll want me out there as well. And I'm going to put him with Sol Sidibe. I think, nice, nah, Sidibe and Loren. Sidibe, I think... I like the fact that Sparrow gets a game in yours, but I think Sidibe and Sparrow in the midfield together is maybe asking a bit too much of them. And I think Loren can also just help with, help push Sidibe through and just help guide him through that first professional start that he's going to get. In the front three for me, I've got Chikino on the right, Wesley down the middle, and DiMaggio right, Phillips on the left. Um Forgot about DiMaggio, yeah. Yeah, so you've got DiMaggio and Chikino, both, pay, you know, both full of pace. Um, Chiquinho obviously they'll do differently you know Chiquinho's a lot bigger and stronger whatever than DiMaggio but two different threats um, but yeah both very direct both can run and uh, Wesley can br- hopefully bring them both into the game with his size as well 
I think one of the main things, Dan, that I took from this when we're looking at teams, you know, we're still actually exposes us for a little bit of weakness that we still clearly have, you know, right back, defensive midfield, centre midfield, when obviously Baker's not here, of course, for backup. Um, you know, as much as we like Salt, it still would be nice to have a bit more experience there to bring on. So I still think we've still got a few weaknesses that no doubt Alex is perfectly aware of um, and will hopefully try and sort out in the coming weeks. I mean, Bonham being in goal, we've already said, we're not massive fans, but he's definitely good enough to be a backup for the Cup. Um, but we've still got a few witnesses there, haven't we? Yeah. I mean, the one obviously absentee that we haven't touched on, actually, surprisingly, <laughs> um, sort of been left behind and everything is, is Tyrese Campbell, isn't it? And the fact that obviously he's not, um, wasn't in the squad at the weekend. I believe he went and had a scan. Um, obviously, the results of that, we don't know, but whether he's going to be near, whether he's going to get an injury and that, and whether he's going to be back. For this game, if the scan comes back clear, because it was a, Alex Hill said it was just, you know, like he just had something he wanted to get scanned and checked over before they did anything with him. If he comes back, he's fine. He may be on the bench here. If not, I don't know, maybe obviously we'll hopefully find out how long he's going to be out for. Well, selfishly, could this not be a good thing? Because it stops any other teams trying to sign him potentially. Uh, just keep, yeah. keep, it, keep him injured long enough just to get it through this window and then he can come back. Yeah, so I, I was really, obviously, that's what I said to you now, and we sort of agreed that we'll never get the truth anyway because the manager will always come out after the match in this circumstance and say, oh, they've got an injury, you know, they'll be out for a few weeks. And then that sort of tries to kill any sort of questions about his future. And obviously you'll never know, is there an actual bid in for him? Is he asked for a move? Is he leaving? Or is he genuinely injured? For me, I spotted something, I think it was in his Instagram that he, after the match, he was there, he was pictured, uh, he's put, you know, great win for the lads, and it was him and Josh Loren, I thought, well, he's supposed that, you know, he's, if he was, he's, he's, you know, he's ruled out with an injury, he's gone to watch the game, got a big puffer jack, he's on that, keep dry, keep warm, he's gone to watch the game, the full time, he's out on the pitch, celebrating with the lads, uh, and, and congratulating them on that, surely, if he's supposed, you know, if he's always injured, if he wasn't there yesterday, nobody could say, well, why isn't he there if he's injured? Because he's injured. And if he was looking for a move away, would he not be trying to keep a low profile? Would he not be sort of squirreled away somewhere with his with his agent and discussing all that and working all that out? Um, and basically, like I say, you wouldn't, you wouldn't be out on the pitch hugging and, and celebrating, surely. No, you wouldn't, you wouldn't think so. You're right. I think you, if he was going, you'd keep him away from the club, potentially. Um, yeah, so you don't want to mm. sit in the stand and you know, sat in the stands and people start, oh, are you, are you, Tyrese, you going? You get and all that business. If he is going, do you? Because <laughs> people get wind yeah. of circumstance. Oh yeah, well actually, I've heard that, that such a club have had a bit accepting. That's why he's not playing today. All of a sudden, he's sat around in a stand. <laughs> you know, he's got to leave the ground, walk through players when you know, the news has got out there. You know, uh, yeah, we've got to be accepted from somewhere or whatever. We'll see how that one pans out um, either way. Um, I'll just say as well, sorry, my substitutes are Low Sparrow, Akagbu, Blondie and McCarran, five young people who possibly could get some game time, uh, depending on how the game goes. And then if we do need a bit of experience and a bit of, of um, how shall we say, a bit of flair, a bit of flash towards try and win the game, then you've got Johnson, Mai, Brown and Ben Wilmot on the bench as well. OK, I haven't got subs. Poor Frankie Fielding, the mythical person who doesn't exist. Um, yes, OK, fine. So score prediction, Dan, uh, what are we going for? 3-2, uh, Wesley, Brace and Josh Loren. Oh, expecting goals. OK, well, I'm going to go for a 1-0 Stoke win. Uh, a very disjointed game from both sides because of the the fact we're making so many changes on both ends. And I'm actually going to go for Stevens to score uh, from a set piece. So, uh, making him play three times in a week. Oh, I know. They're sort of being lazy. He needs, needs to get his fitness up, doesn't he? OK, so before we kind of start to round this up, Dan, have you had a chance to look at your gaffer uh, results for this week? It's ongoing. We are recording. Is it? Okay. Well, it's half past one, isn't it? On a Sunday afternoon, we're recording. And there is a championship game as we speak. There is a match being played. So, yes, it's uh, 
it's about just just seeing how these games here on the Sunday end up before I know. But yeah, Coventry are currently beating Leicester 1-0. Mm-hmm. And then we've got Leeds, Cardiff and Sunderland, Ipswich still to play. But I did have... Uh, I actually had Tyrese Campbell as my captain. <laughs> so that Oof. didn't go down too well. However, my vice-captain was uh, Che Adams, who got 12 points. So then we'll be oh, a nice 12-pointer from him, which should take me up the league a little bit because I think... If I had them 12 points on, I'd go up into seventh place. Oh. Okay, so you're feeling confident for this season with your gaffer, you, or is this the early season um, optimism? Well, yeah, there's 50, 56 people there is in the uh, in the gaffer. So I reckon I'm going to go for a top 10 finish for me this year. I'm, gonna, I'm on it. Okay. Okay, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. You can. I'll let. I'll let you share the results uh, when they come in on the next pod. Um, any final observations before we close this one out, Dan? No. Um, great start. Um, like I said, I think it's, it's, it'd be nice to get another win. But for me, got some tricky clean. I think Ipswich away is going to be really tough. Obviously, Watford won four 0 yesterday on on Saturday, so that's going to be a tough game the week after. So what we really need um, is to make sure that we keep that momentum going because if we end up losing them a couple of games, then it's just going to quickly die off into what we've the, you know the good feeling that we've got at the minute. And then yeah. we've got we've got Millwall away the week after that as well. So three very tough, of, um, either historically or in the moment, uh, games coming up for us in the league. So yeah, I think as much as I'd like to see us progress in the cup. Uh, I'd rather see some experience and some minutes put into people's legs, and let them let them stake a claim because you know that that can sometimes be better than putting you putting your first teamers in. Let let your reserves come in and and show you why they should be in the first team. And if anybody hasn't got the tickets, um, something which I was actually surprised about. No, I might have been asleep on this. Um, if you're a season ticket holder for adults, it's twelve quid, um, and if you're not a season ticket holder, adults are fourteen quid. It won't be the biggest crowd of the season by any stretch of imagination, but you know the the lads still need you. So, um, I guess you know if you can, if you don't mind a, a reminder for everyone who's listening. I mean, we've had some incredible numbers over the summer, so thank you to all of you. But um, if you are listening and you have the option on whatever device to hit that subscribe button, something we actually don't ask you to do an awful lot of. But um, you know, if you sat there now and you're not subscribed, you're not got it there to ready to download, then please do um, get that done because no doubt throughout the whole season we're going to have some specials uh, coming out that you don't want to miss, so please do so. It just leaves me to say, Dan, thanks as always for joining us, May. Um, thank you everyone else for joining us and we'll be back to preview Ipswich on Friday. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the Pro Pilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five year warranty. And with a bench full of all star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.